welcome to another episode of That's Some Crazy Shit with Kelly and James. I am Kelly and my co-host is Mr. James. What's going on, dude? It's another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Won't you be mine? Won't you be mine? I never liked that show. I was never a fan. Never a fan of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Really? No. I used to like Sesame Street, though. That was my jam. Oh, I like Sesame Street. I like Sesame Street. I like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, too, though. I always yeah. thought the one chick was mean, though. What one chick? Uh, Lady Elaine Fairchild. Oh, see, I never watched it. So I, see, I, I can probably no idea who that is. Is that a puppet? Is that a puppet? Yep, they were all puppets. Ah, they were all puppets except for well, him. Well, no, they, they had one. The, the mailman was a real dude. Yeah, the mailman was a real dude, and then they had a real chick that she stopped by. Nice, yeah. Never really, never watched, never, never got through an entire episode of Mr. Rogers. I thought it was boring, so wasn't for me. Anyway, that is not why we are here. That was some random shit, right? That was some random shit. That is not why we are here. We have a guest today, James. We're here to do our podcast. That's some crazy shit. Right on. We have a guest. Part of it. Yeah, we have a guest. Um, her name is Fiona Robinson Hill. And she is a tour guide for Grim Ghost Tours in Salt Lake City. That's Grim with two M's. She's also a researcher and a historian. And she is here to talk about one of the sites that you went to, which is the old cement factory. Right. And that's that's where I, I came in contact with Fiona is I went to an investigation there and she was leading the tour. And she's, she's excellent at what she does. And that place, Cal, it, it, it's active. That's what she was saying. So um, she decided, um, you know, was gracious enough to have a sit down and chat with us about everything she knows about the ghost tours and about the things that she's encountered. So I say we just we just get right to it. Let's do it then. Let's get to it. Welcome to the podcast. Fiona Robinson-Hill, ghost tour guide and historian. All right, welcome, Fiona. We're glad to have you here today. Um, that's some crazy shit. Uh, why don't you give us a little background about how you got started and what you do and a little bit of how you got into it. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so a bit about myself. I work with Grim Ghost Tours and I tour guide, paranormal investigator, uh, historian. But everyone asks that, like, how did you start doing this? And my go-to answer is, you grow up in a house where weird stuff happens. (laughs) And then you just question what's going on, why is this happening? And then you just dive a little deeper into it. And it's like, well, that damn ghost, (laughs) right? That damn ghost, give my keys back, where's my wallet? That, that type of thing. So are you saying that you grew up in a haunted house? I guess that's the only possible explanation for it, yes. So give us an idea of some of the things that would happen that would make you think that. Um, just just those type of things, like, like the keys would go missing. Um, I had a wallet that went missing for like six months as a teenager. Oh my gosh. A digital camera that went missing. Um, you would hear noises at night. Um, Did you ever like, feel scared or threatened? 
Um, sometimes, yeah, we actually had the house come and get blessed because especially like down in the basement, you would hear like growl, <laughs> growling noises. <laughs> um, one time we went away on vacation and it was the middle of August and um, it, the house was brand new, but the property was a bit older and we had someone come and house sit for us and when we got back the heat had been turned all the way up in the middle of august summer hot as can be the heat had been turned all the way up but the house that sat on the property before us had burned down <laughs> so it was like this weird stuff happening that all the time cool. very cool very cool <laughs> so let's fast forward to now, how do you, how, who says like, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be a paranormal investigator. Like, is that what you said? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> um, it, in fact, people are like, oh, so that's what you love to do. And it's like, well, yes, but does it pay the bills? <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> but it's something to get out of the house and something fun to do um and and it's just a fun hobby and if i get paid to do it yeah Bonus, <laughs> that's huh? nice yeah so, so now you know, I, I met you through one of your uh investigations at the um now i know it's an old cement factory because i grew up in that area yeah so why don't you tell our listeners about that location and, and some of the history about that because even though kelly and i probably grew up within walking distance of it i don't think we knew half of the history <laughs> yes the the old portland cement works right. which is now known as fear factory um with the famous address of 666 west um <laughs> eight south right the big draw to it um, is that really the address one of the buildings there yes I had yes. no idea. Never <laughs> made that correlation. And this, for the for listeners who don't know, is in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yes, yes, downtown industrial area of Salt Lake, but it settled right in uh so industrial part of the history, but also this neighborhood grew up around it for the workers who who were there. So it was very convenient for them to to live there and then work there because they didn't have to travel very far um to go to work and it was mostly um people who who were kind of that blue collar worker but also freshly new to the united states so so you get kind of this little suburb of industrial workers living right there at this factory and um, unfortunately, <laughs> that's where a lot of the accidents and death stories come from, are these workers in that neighborhood right there. Um, so maybe those houses are haunted too, probably, right? Oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's funny, when we were growing area. up, you know, we used to ride our bikes by it, and it was always a creepy feeling. And it was, we, yeah. we dare each other to ride from, you know, through the middle, by the railroad tracks. Oh. You know, it was like, we were even afraid to do that. It was so freaky. Yeah, yeah, a lot of deaths took place right on those railroad tracks too, associated with the factory. So I would be scared, like just walking past it when we're doing our tours and investigations. And even in fact, when the trains pass through, you can feel that energy surge 
um, because of all the deaths. At one point, that intersection on 8th uh, South and um, right there by the factory was at one point the deadliest uh, intersection with train crossings and automobiles and, and people walking through in Salt Lake City because of all the accidents and deaths that took place right there. So when did they is so when did the factory become I guess like a a haunted place? You know what I mean? Like when did who said this place has activity? <laughs> Let's start doing investigations. Yeah, you know what start? I mean? Right. Yes. So the factory was built in the 1890s as a cement factory. And then it went through like all these deaths and and accidents all throughout the 1970s. Uh when they were like we're getting sued, we're gonna shut down, um, we don't really need this factory here. So they kind of shut down house and the property sat abandoned for a decade, a little over a decade. And in the 90s, um, the neighborhood was like, this isn't really a safe place, we're gonna clean it up a little bit. But then in 2011, Fear Factory bought the property, cleaned it up, made it into a haunted house, and that's when they're like, whoa, <laughs> something's going on here. What's happening? And um, and that's when par these paranormal teams came in. And it's like, yeah, there's it's haunted. There's ghosts here. Um, and now Fear, uh, Fear Factory and Grim Ghost Tours kind of work together. And um, anyone who wants to do a paranormal investigation there has to book through Grim Ghost Tours, and we kind of oversee that and and make sure things are are okay and taken yeah, care you know, of. That's there. good. Yeah, I like I like that the fact that you know you had it so well organized, and then that you had different uh, like we use dowsing rods. Yes. And you had some EMF, EMF meters and stuff. I like that you had that so people could use it. And if you're in the Salt Lake area, you guys go and check this out through Grim Tours. It's it's cool. So yeah. when when you are doing the the tours, do do you know the history of maybe who some of these ghosts are? Yes. So that's part of my job as the as a historian for Grim Ghost Tours, is to make sure we give you the accurate history of the location. Um, and then we kind of say like, hey, this is where George likes to hang out and who you could possibly be talking to. And this is where Frank likes to hang out. He's a little bit grouchy. You may not want to talk to him sometimes. Um, you know, this is where Charles died and he likes to hang out on the catwalk. So if you see or hear anything, it could be him. Um, but also maybe, you know, maybe you're talking to someone new. Maybe you're talking to someone we haven't talked about and if you, uh, if you get a name or if you get something, let us know and maybe we'll do some more research and we can we can tell you more about what's going on. So that's what that's part of my job is to make sure it's accurate history and then look up more history from the night and what's going on. I like that aspect that you you knew the history of it. I, I thought that was really cool so what are some of the things that people have seen or what are some of the disturbances that you guys have recorded or know of yes there's a lot <laughs> it's like something new every time we go there really? of course we have yeah it's um 
it's one of the most probably active spots um, that we go to um, and some people if you go there and you're a little bit apprehensive you're not gonna get a lot it's kind of I tell people it's kind of like a dog right dogs can sense when you're a little bit nervous and it's the same thing with with ghosts or spirits or energies whatever you want to call them they can tell like oh this person doesn't really want to talk to me why why do I want to talk to them um, but Fear Factory always has something going on there. You just have to be paying attention. Um, and so, right, there's always something there. There's always something like following you. You can just sense it. You can feel it when you're there. So we've had like shadow figures. We've had like footsteps up on the catwalk. You can hear the footsteps. You can see someone walking up there. Um, you can... I've had like my ankle touched as I've been walking around um, closing up for the night and I was like nope <laughs> not okay <laughs> I don't like that um, one time I was walking up the stairs with a lady and she smelled like her dad's cologne and she's like wait I can smell that and her dad had just recently passed like a week or so before and she smelled her dad's cologne like as we were walking up um, we've had we've captured EVPs while we were there um, there's one there's a really good one in one of the silos that's uh, that's like a swamp area and it's like this really loud moan and <laughs> it's really creepy <laughs> Um, so you get like all sorts of paranormal activity, like anything that you could think of has been encountered at Fear Factory. And that's why it's such a great location because you can, you can get anything there, um, if you're looking for it. Right. And it's like you said, I think, you know, you have to be open-minded to this stuff. Yeah. So once, you know, once you kind of, you know, free yourself up, then, you know, these things happen and you, you can, you know, experience yeah definitely so i'm interested do you have the history on like can you give us some occurrences of how some of these people died if when you've done the history like some of the people that some of the ghosts that you may think that they that you have encountered before like and how they died yes so probably the more well-known ones um and the ones that people you know talk about the most um would would definitely be george he uh george howe he died in 1900 and he's the one who was oiling a big piece of machinery and he got his arm ripped off um, because he was pulled through this like gear shaft of the rock grinder and uh, yeah, it's really gruesome. That's why people love talking about it because you get the ghost story and you get the bloody, gory, gruesome story. Um, he got his arm ripped off and he like bled to death and people found him a few hours later and he was dead. Um, and then it was like three years later, the same accident happened on the same piece of machinery where Frank, this man Frank, had his arm ripped off from, um, and he ended up bleeding to death. And 
um, like just these weird strange occurrences and it was like 20 30 years later another man got his arm ripped off he ended up living but I mean the same accident happening kept happening at this factory and I always tell people there's no coincidences when it comes to ghost stories yeah. Yeah. I agree <laughs> so do I have you to ask you a quick it... question oh. no go ahead James go ahead was it was it the same arm on each yes individual? the left arm on each individual so do you think or is there any history of anything of maybe this factory being cursed being built on maybe ground it shouldn't have been built on for all these do you know what i mean was it a bad was it built was it always i guess a haunted yeah sacred ground or something you know pet cemetery i don't know (laughs) right yeah so so that's the interesting thing is um because you know you have the arm being ripped off you have um you know these strange fires that happen because the first documented death that we can find is george and then every it's like almost every year after that you have um you know you have a man who's burned to death um you have uh you know the train accidents you have all these deaths that happen every single year and um but before that there's this massive fire that happens in the middle of the night that nobody can explain and it destroys a huge portion of the factory and then before that you have a massive windstorm that comes in they call it a hurricane and it destroys a whole bunch of salt lake but the place that had the most extensive damage was the factory and so you're like okay what's going on here and it some people are like oh it's the ley lines right the ley lines that this factory sits on that's why it's the paranormal activity or it's the address the 666 west um or maybe it is you know like this this ground this property it sits on because if you think it's not too far from where um, the Jordan River is, which yeah. was for ancient indigenous peoples who lived here, was very like sacred water, right? Because they traveled and water was, the land near water was very important to them. So if you think about it, there's all these factors playing into this location. What is it? We don't know but there's so many things going on with it. Maybe it's a combination of everything. You know, that's funny because growing up near the Jordan River and you saying that the Jordan River, the entire length where we lived, we always thought it was kind of creepy and haunted, I guess, per se, right? You you wouldn't, if you were walking around there at night, you wouldn't want to be by yourself. You would hear stuff. Yeah, right. You would, and yeah. and I remember that. But just as a kid, you're kind of writing it off, right? But now that you <laughs> say that, and and then you said the Jordan River was sacred, which is mind blowing to me because by the time we got familiar with the Jordan River, you couldn't. It was just a polluted river. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? So to know that at one point it was sacred to them is crazy. 
yeah like if you if you study like the like the history um which you know in my other endeavors that i'm doing with with historical and historian um research is uh is if you follow the the movements of some of the these indigenous um peoples of utah they they did travel they you know they didn't stay in one place um and salt lake was inhabited by that ancient uh fremont people um and and we've come across you know their living spaces and everything and because utah was you know this kind of deserted area water was very important so they did travel to where water was a great source to them and so when you have this jordan river flowing and it wasn't so polluted right and so populated it would be a great source for you know animals and people and whatever uh you know grazing um and food that they could have it it is a huge source even to us right now even though we think like oh the jordan river not so not so well, nice. it's a lot cleaner now than it was when we were kids yeah <laughs> well i remember growing up too like uh, <laughs> you like hearing about like bodies found over there and stuff i remember that <laughs> but um but it is a huge source to to wandering people um in in ancient days i guess you could say those ancient civilizations that were here that makes sense because yeah really it's not very far i mean really we, we, we could walk within all you know it was just walking distance all that stuff that makes sense that it, you know that'd be tied to the water like you said maybe it was it's interesting I just, who knows you know right so fiona on the you know when you're doing the ghost tours and people come in and do these investigations um has anybody ever said they they did not feel safe or you know anything like that or i guess i'm saying is there any danger and this is from someone who has never gone on an investigation and probably never will but just out of curiosity <laughs> i'm gonna get her too yeah I'm yeah not, not my thing not my thing but you know <laughs> are, you know is there any any danger have you had any cases of anybody maybe getting hurt or you know you've had cases of people getting marks on them from from ghost investigations and stuff have in, any of that ever happened yeah so so there is a thing of like opening yourself up too much i guess um we always tell people your best ghost hunting tool or piece of equipment is yourself and you have to listen like if you're feeling too anxious or if you're feeling too emotional you know that's a good sign to maybe step back and you know take a take a break from your ghost hunting whatever you're doing investigating communication um because as in life as in death sometimes people get a little grouchy or get a little um connected or get a little close too close for comfort um ghosts our little ghosty friends can do that too and we have to realize and we have to figure out when to draw that line and when to say okay enough is enough i need to step back and sometimes people don't realize when to draw that line and so they do get a little aggressive 
and they get that pushback too. And so that's when you get people who don't feel so safe and don't feel very comfortable in their situations. Um, as for, you know, the scratch marks and things, I've never encountered that when I'm on an investigation because I make sure it never gets to that point. Um, when I'm there to supervise our investigations, I'm walking around, I'm communicating with their people, I'm saying, hey, how are you feeling? What are you doing? Make sure you're being safe when you're doing this. Um, because because I don't want it to get to that point. Um, we always tell people, don't be aggressive. <laughs> don't hit that line, because you don't want to get to that point. Um, so we try to educate people on, on don't be like the TV shows, because that's yeah. for entertainment. Um, so we try to- provoking people. It's like, that's not good, you guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we, we try to educate people as well. That's a huge part is education as well as the experience and how long is an average investigation like james when you went how long how long was it oh i don't remember it was, it was a few hours isn't it fiona um we we usually book venues for like five hours yeah but... or the the one at the uh fear factory how long was that one um it like it's usually from like nine to two but you can stay as long as you I mean, up to the five hours, but if you want to go home at like 12, you can. We don't, <laughs> we don't force you to stay. It didn't seem like that long, really. I mean, cause we, I mean, like I said, so much stuff's going on and you're so involved, you don't realize how much time has passed. Right, yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. Well, I, like I said, will probably never do one, but it does, <laughs> I live vicariously through James when he goes and does his ghost ones, but I do not, I do not partake. I'm good. I just, I'm good. I'm good. I think you should go, but next time you come to town, Cal, we'll go and see Fiona because it's, it's a, they do, they do a good job. And it, like she said, it's active. There's, there was stuff going on the whole time I was there. And if somebody wanted to reach out to you to get a tour, Fiona, how would they reach you? Um, you can go to the website, our company website which is you know grimghosttours.com or we have a facebook page which is just grim ghost tours okay is the and fear factory is just one of the locations right yeah so we just go to we go all over and not just like in the salt lake valley we go to you know asylum 49 we go out to the Merker cemetery we even That's go to lava go yes it's fun that's another one of my favorite because another one where there's always something going on um we go up to lava hot springs so i mean it's not just the salt lake valley we're all over the place so even people out of state um can we try to go all over to meet everybody's needs very very cool very cool well thank you so much i like i said it's it's uh it scares me but you know james likes it i just i, I think it's fascinating i've had weird experiences and I, you know I thought I've seen things and like how you're saying you got to check in with your body because there was one time I was like really nauseated and, you know it was weird yeah yeah that yeah that's crazy. one of the signs <laughs> that is crazy Fiona thank you so much for coming on I love speaking with you it's 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 a fascinating topic one I'll probably never dive into but hey 
thank you guys for being the ones to go out there and do it because then you can come back and tell me all about it thank you for having me and letting me talk i love to talk about it so thank you yeah thanks for coming on fiona it was it was really nice of course you're welcome You know, she was telling us things kind of funny. When we were little kids, we lived right in that neighborhood, you know, and it's all the stuff we didn't know, you know, was happening right there. Well, it was always a creepy place, right? It was always one of those places that as a kid, you knew about it. You might go over there in the daytime and, you know, but even during Halloween, you might walk past it but you weren't going in there i wasn't well, back, going yeah in back there. then they didn't have the haunted house it was right it was just an empty yeah. just an empty standalone yeah. building that i remember we would walk by and that and that was a dare oh that's what i was telling Fiona. we used to dare each other to ride our bikes through the daytime that's right wrong. so i might get a flat yeah very very cool i like when uh, ghost investigators come on i can live vicariously through them and through you because i'm not doing one but if you want to do one you can reach out to grim ghost tours in salt lake city um i'm i'm guessing that they have like a facebook and all that good stuff grim with two m's grim ghost tours and if you are like if you're in the area they do several different places the cemetery that they go to is I've heard from several different people that has a lot of activity so I might be going to that Cal mm, well you have fun my friend you can tell me all about it I will be way over here waiting for you to come back what, you what would happen it. if I didn't come back I'm sure that you would, would James would you investigate I probably would not oh well I'm, I'm, you then. I'm, I'm sure there'd be you. other people there investigating the disappearance of James Baez. I'm oh, pretty no, sure. Yeah, nice that. save. Nice save. I'm Thank still, you. I'm still haunting you. Thank you. Thank you. So you have any you have any random bullshit? Random bullshit today. Uh well I think I would like to talk about the new Black Panther. Okay. Okay. So, uh, I was looking at the storyline, and I was comparing it to the story comic book timeline and stuff, okay? Uh, I thought it was interesting, and I think it's kind of cool. In the comic books, Namor is Atlantean. Okay, classic Atlantean. And we had an episode about them finding Atlantis. See how I threw that in? I like that. Now they're going to listen. Okay, so uh, this time around, they're giving it a more ethnic feel. So it's Cause Aztecs. Because it's... Who's Aztecs? I'm confused. The, we... the people that were Atlantan, Atlanteans, Namor, that was the name of the comic book. Now oh, in the comic book, these other people that Black, Counter, that Black Panther encountered were more Atlanteans is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. Now, now they're, they're more, more Aztecian. Aztecan in the movie. Yes. And okay. also, uh, his name in the comic book was Namor. Now it's Quetzalcoatl. 
the guy that leads the Aztecians? Yes. Okay. He's like uh, him and him and Black Panther have history in the comic books. At one point, uh, he almost destroyed Wakanda because he was looking for the Avengers, and that kind of pissed, uh, you know, T'Challa off. And so they kind of got a history. I don't know how they're going to play it in the movie. Okay. But what I was what I was asking you is, or what I wanted to ask you is, do you think that they are starting to use more oh, ethnic? Uh, spin on these comic books because of you know them wanting to advance the characters, make them more up to date, or do you think it's more pressure? It's a good question. I think James is probably a little of both. Um, I think that the whole you know, ethnic thing in America or whatever and, and actually letting the people who are that ethnicity play their role or having people of ethnicities come in and play roles that maybe weren't necessarily thought to be for, you know, ethnic roles. Right. So yeah, I and I and I like that because it just makes it more diverse. So probably a little bit of both of what you're saying. I think it's it's hard to say. I mean, you know, Hollywood, you would like to think that Hollywood has a clean agenda, but they don't. So this is Hollywood you're talking. Yeah, so what is their reason for doing it? I mean, probably the bottom line is money. Yeah, the almighty dollar. You know, you know, but but, I kinda, you know this is the way I think of it too, though. I, I, for me personally, you know, being... Aztecian? Know, a minority. Yeah. Oh, I, got Aztecian. I got a little Aztecian in me. <laughs> That's what, what it was the ancestry.com said. Hey, hey, I'm just checking. So, but uh, yeah, to me, it, you know, it, it makes it more relatable. You know, because like in the world, when you look out in the world, I hate I hate to break it to people, but you know, it's not all just one, one race, whatever it may be. You know what I mean? There's diversity. You cannot deny it, you know. So I like it. It, it makes it more real. And I know people are going to say, well, James, it's a comic book. Well, I understand that, you know. But, but the it, whole you idea. relate to it that more. But the whole idea of making comic books live action is to get you to relate to them, right? So you got to make it real so that it's relatable, right? We know that the superheroes don't technically exist, but we want to see them in our time. Right. Right. With things with technology that's somewhat familiar to us. Right. So that doesn't turn into a fantasy like a Lord of the Rings stuff that we can't really relate to. So, yeah, I get all of that. And, you know, James, you're probably right. You know, I I think that when you see characters that are when you see diverse in casting in Hollywood and, and movies, yeah, it does make it more real. You're right. When you do look into the, out into the world, it is diverse. There's lots of different types of people out there. And I think yeah, and sometimes was, we forget that. Yeah, because it was it's, like, uh, there was a big thing when they were casting uh, for Netflix. Um, and even for the Marvel Ten Rings. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Sang Chi or whatever. 
Oh, was there was there a hoopla about that casting too? That Asian casting? Yeah, because they were they're uh, at first, you know, considering a lot of Caucasian actors and actresses. They really were, you know, or at least that's the scuttlebutt on the internet, you know. But it's like, why would you do that? You know, it's it's a. Uh, well, here's one know, for you because it's Disney, right? So, I, I was watching one of my one of one of the old Disney movies that I like to watch is uh the three musketeers and i'm talking charlie sheen uh kiefer sutherland uh oliver platt and uh <clears throat> dude who played robin can't think of his name right now chris something he's on ncis with ll cool j can't think of his name though but oh i know who you're talking about though yeah, but he played Robin in the Batman movies or whatever. So, but anyway, in this movie was done like in the 90s, right? But this movie that is The Three Musketeers that is set in France, nobody in this movie, it, number one, is French. Nobody even speaks French. They all speak English. They all have English accents. It's, it's a completely Americanized version, but, but they're in France. Not even the king of France has an accent, <laughs> right? So it's like, you know, you, you did that, you know, you you have this movie set in this place where they're all supposed to sound like something, but they but they don't. That that always blows my mind. And none of those guys are French. Those are all white guys. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Charlie Sheen's not French. He doesn't speak French. He doesn't speak French. He didn't even remotely sound French, my friend. I thought he was French. What made you think Charlie Sheen was French? I just messed with <laughs> But no, it just makes me laugh because there's a lot of movies that do that, right? They'll they'll take this movie that's set in, oh, I don't know, China, but everybody speaks great English. Nobody has an accent. Well, I mean, come on, Kel. I mean, you couldn't have a... American movie and had the person be speaking Mandarin or something, you know. Just saying. So yes, I think they do it for both reasons, as you said at the very beginning of your question. The answer, yes. Thank you. <laughs> See how that went, people? You can check us out on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, next week, we will have another fantastic guest. But James, I think we're done here. You want me to wrap it up then? Wrap that up. Keep your minds open, people. <laughs> <laughs>